Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Doug Brown joins me to talk about season-ending injury to Matt Nichols. Chris Trevler is the man now. And we also preview the game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats Friday night. Also, Jeffrey Bannon, commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League, joins me to talk about the season so far and a huge game coming up Friday afternoon between Vincent Massey and St. Paul's. And finally, Faith Miller of the Brandon Bobcats women's soccer team. She's from the Bahamas. She talks to us about how she ended up in Brandon and what it was like as Hurricane Dorian tore through her home country and watching it from afar. That's all on the podcast. All right, I am joined on the line by color commentator for our Blue Bomber coverage on CGOB, Mr. Doug Brown. Doug, how are you tonight? Pretty good, my friend. How are you doing? Good. We'll start with the news that came out about an hour and a half ago, two hours ago, that Matt Nichols is done for the year. Does this change anything for you? Um. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there was the expectation that at least there would be the opportunity for Matt Nichols uh, to, you know, rejoin uh, the football team and, and bring that uh, different dynamic that he has to the, to the offense, back to the offense uh, in time, possibly for the playoffs. So, um, you know, with, uh, with the goal of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, to finish, you know, in first place and get that first, uh, first round bye and then, you know, another bye at the end of the season, there's weeks upon weeks. And, and, you know, uh, there was a few of us that kind of hinted at the fact that he might not be able to come back at all. And, by the strength of how Michael Shane refuted that, you're like, wow, there might actually be an opportunity. There actually might be an opportunity for Matt Nichols to, to return this season. But uh, unfortunately, with the surgery, that's obviously out the window. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot of question marks, and, and no one knows. A degree of uncertainty, I think, with, with Chris Strebler in terms of, you know, what kind of strides can he make throughout the end of the year and uh, in playoff football cold weather if it's miserable out there and and you have to focus on a ground game who better to run your offense but you know it's hard to imagine them uh, being able to go all the way unless his passing acumen uh, improves exponentially I would say well so he's been the baptism by fire so far he's played Saskatchewan twice obviously the Montreal game did not go as planned but for the first half it looked real good on offense and then now you got Hamilton you got Calgary twice still Montreal again and Saskatchewan again so if he can take you through this stretch and get that one seed in the west he'll be well tested for the final well the west final and then the great cup if it comes to that yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think strength of the schedule for the remaining opponents for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is the strongest in the CFL. I think it's uh, 0.683 winning percentage really for the high. remaining opponents. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's miles uh, away and above anybody else's strength of schedule they have to compete with. So they uh, he certainly has his workout out for him. And, and you're right, he will definitely have earned his stripes if he can if he can uh, keep this team successful and keep them in first place by the end of the year. I would, I would dare say he would be ready for uh, primed and, and poised for a playoff run, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it seems um, miles away right now with what is remaining and what is in front of this football club, uh, especially you know coming off their last performance. Everybody's going to want to see uh, a great turnabout against Hamilton just to get that bad taste out of their mouth and, and get everybody back uh, believing that the opportunity still lies in front of this football club and is not behind them because that's kind of 
the feeling you were left at the end of that Montreal game for sure. And the reality of this team is they've lost four games and three of them have been in the last 10 seconds of a football game. The only decisive loss they've had all year was against the Hamilton Tiger Cats the day that Jeremiah Mazzoli went down for the season and Dane Evans came in. But this team has still managed to get to 10-3. and They've beaten every single team in the CFL at least once. Are they the best team right now in the CFL? Uh, I mean, yeah, the record says so, but obviously they're an Eastern Division opponent where the competition is not nearly what it is in the West, and there's definitely going to be a crossover. So it's kind of weird to, you know, anoint. I I don't think they're the best team. I I think they're a lot like the Bombers in the sense that they're a very complete football team. They don't have a lot of holes, but uh, their biggest similarity is the fact that they're forced to contend for the rest of the season with uh, a backup quarterback at the helm. So it's it's pretty funny. Uh, Dane Evans is, uh, you know, it's going to be a pass passing quarterback versus running quarterback on display again on Friday. But um, outside of that, I think there are a lot of similarities between these two teams. And the record suggests overall that I guess Hamilton is number one in the CFL, but I certainly don't think – you know, against the Calgary, I, I think Winnipeg should be able to handle them at home with their undefeated record. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of opponents out there I, I think Hamilton would have trouble with. But like I say, they got a lot of weapons. They're very complete. They got a very good defense. They're very well-rounded, just like Winnipeg. So that's what makes uh, tomorrow's matchup so intriguing. From a defensive point of view for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, obviously what happened in the second half against Montreal is something they're eager to get out of their mouths in your experience on the football field, when a loss like that would happen, what would the attitude be for the next week heading into your next game? You know, it really depends how film goes and it really depends on the players in the room, how they, how they handle it, you know, whether they're blaming other people or blaming, you know, there's, there's a bunch of ways you can go when you see a, a collapse like that and a record breaking failure in the fourth quarter, giving up that many points and that much yardage late in the game, you can either blame uh, your system, you can blame your coach, you can blame the players around you, or you can, you know, take it personally yourself as an individual and do things to improve your performance going forward. You can, you know, hold yourself responsible and be accountable for that, or you can pass the buck. So, uh, you know, we'll find out a lot about this defense and the personnel on it uh, by their response uh, against Hamilton. Because, like you say, if uh, if these guys aren't willing to accept their role in the loss and the massive failure against Montreal on the road, then uh, uh, I, I would dare say that an improvement or a change. You know, and it's also it also comes down to the the, the top leadership, right? What are they going to demand of this football team and this defense now going forward? I think uh, the game against Hamilton will tell us whether the leadership of this football team is accepting of that, or whether they put the hammer down and said, "Guys, this is not good enough," and uh, force these guys to respond and be accountable for it. So I think we'll learn a lot about the players, and we'll learn just as much about the coaching staff by how this defense plays tomorrow night. And is it all the secondary, or does the front have a problem, too, with what happened in Montreal? Was it all in the secondary? No, you know, the the secondary and the defensive line are are very intertwined, right? And I think uh, late in the game, they were still able to get through, get clean, and and, uh, get pressure on Adams, but they weren't able to corral him, right? And that's the danger of having a mobile quarterback like that late in the game is when you're more fatigued and, and maybe only one guy's breaking through as opposed to two, 
you're just prompting him now to scramble and extend a play and, and, and go improv theater on you and, and uh, force your DBs down the field to cover. So while I think the defensive line were still able to exact pressure, they certainly weren't able to contain Adams. And uh, that's extremely dangerous when you got, get a guy that's that fleet of foot who can also chuck the ball and keep his eyes downfield uh, when you give him opportunities to get outside of the pocket like that late in the game, we, we saw firsthand, unfortunately, what the result can be. All right, final note will be on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, it's Straveler's team now, but ultimately it's Andrew Harris, really, that is the, the motor of the offense. And what did you think of his return from suspension last week, and can he continue that against Hamilton? Yeah, I mean, he looked highly, highly motivated. He looked very... Um, on task, on point, uh, whenever he's been uh, dialed in and, and had a chip on his shoulder, you obviously get a very good result from Andrew Harris. And, and this came was uh, exactly the case, even though the circumstances were obviously magnified um, outside what was going on for him outside of the field. But yeah, um, he continues to be a guy that is going to show up in a big way in the passing game and or the running game. And, uh, you know, last week, last week it was how we played. Uh, in the passing game, being the leading receiver going forward. So more of the same from Andrew Harris, who, uh, like you said, has uh, an unusual size chip on his shoulder going forward, and that's usually a good thing for him. Well, Doug, I appreciate your time tonight, as always. We'll let you rest up and get ready for the big game tomorrow night. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. All right, there's Doug Brown and his crying daughter. (laughs) Clearly time for Doug to get off the phone. He knew... Baby knew it was time for dad to pay attention to her and not Christian O'Mell. So we appreciate Doug, of course. A lot of action tonight as well in the Winnipeg High School Football League. And we are joined now by the commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League, Jeffrey Bannon. Jeffrey, how are you tonight? Good. How are you? Doing well. Where are you right now? I'm just outside Steinbach. I'm just uh, the first uh, half just ended here between Steinbach and Sturgeon in their homecoming. So now I'm trying to catch the last half of the game at Dakota. So trying to get there. Okay. How's the weather tonight out there? Uh, I'm very thankful for your interview because I get to come inside my vehicle and warm up. It's uh, it's not pretty out here. It's, 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 it's fall football weather, but it's cold. It's rainy and uh, it's it's. It's football. Yes, it's it's cold, rainy in Winnipeg too. So it's yeah. it's what you get when you're playing football in Manitoba this time of year, right? Yes, sir. So how has the season gone so far? Uh, through four weeks, it's actually gone. We've we've had some quite surprises. So we got introduced. Uh, Springfield came into the league. Uh, you know, they came out of Oak Bank and they're taking the league by storm in Division Three. And then you have your perennial powerhouses and Vincent Massey, St. Paul's, and then some surprises with Dakota and Steinbeck and. And overall, the, the league's been pretty competitive, and it's uh, off to a great start. Yeah, so let's talk about Dakota. They are 3-0. and St. Paul's has a one in the loss column. Is that maybe the surprise of the season? Well, it's funny because I actually had – that game got called Friday night, so I was actually at that game, and we, it, it was a 7.30 start, and, I got, and the lightning and thunder, the, the 30 and 30 rule took into effect, and it was uh, – that game could have went either way. So in the standing, St. Paul shows a loss, but – in reality, I know at the end of the day that that game could have went either way, so I don't think they're too concerned right now. So, so what's the thirty thirty rule? So there's a, a thunder following lightning after thirty seconds. You have to call the game for thirty minutes, and then if that if that persists, 
after a second time well, we agreed as coaches, the referee and myself, that this could go on all night. So we could be sitting there outside. And then it was St. Paul's homecoming. There was 1,000 people there. So safety came into mind, and, the, and we just called again. Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, looking at the schedule tomorrow, we have, is it, I don't know if it's the game of the season, but certainly when St. Paul's and Vincent Massey match up in Winnipeg, it's a big deal. It is because this, this, these two teams have been, uh, if you can go back to the championship for the past dozen years, it's been these, one, of, one of these two or both of these two, and they're coached by two future you know, high school football Hall of Famers and Coach McKay and Coach Dannard, and respectively, they, they trot out great lineups. They're coached well, uh, and these athletes, most of them, you know, in the grade 12 year, go on usually to the next level. So this should be one of the games of the year for sure. And what makes it so special that these two teams continue to do it year after year? You mentioned the coaches, but beyond that, what is it about these two schools that has made them so powerful? Well, you take, you take the coach and you take the history. You, you take the fact that, you know, it, when sometimes uh, athletes have a choice of what school they want to go to, they, they do, they can choose coming out of JV sometimes. And they, they, they choose these schools because, you know, as much as people say it's not about wins and losses, sometimes it isn't. Um, when you have a reputation for a football program, you attract talent, and that's just uh, what these schools have done. And you've seen that with the Dakotas now. You've seen that with Stifler. You've seen that with Steinbach. And you'll start to see that with other schools because they're learning from uh, what Coach Dainard and Coach McKay are doing. Now, when you have a day like today where you've got a total, when you include all the divisions and even JV games where you've got 12 games on the schedule, how busy is your day? Uh, it's, <laughs> I used to think I did a lot of coaching, but today is, today is one of the, my busiest days of the year because you're, you're constantly looking at scores, you're looking at the weather and the injury reports, and so far there's been no ejections, no suspensions so far, so that's, that's a good thing, but you just try to keep everything going and you try to make sure that people have the support that they need, and uh, sometimes you just have to stay out of the way and let them do their jobs. So looking at your week then, most of the games are obviously – you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What does a Monday, Tuesday look like for the commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League? Uh, honestly, uh, Mondays we look at stats. Uh, we want to do player of the week. So we get a player of the week, so we try to get that out Tuesday. And then I try to visit uh, a practice twice, uh, two practices a week, you know, introduce myself, talk to the team, answer any questions, Q&A, uh, ask the coaches how they're doing. So it's, um, it's a different role from coaching, but it's still busy four days a week. And then uh, sometimes we have games on Saturdays, which I love because, in, you know, those games are really uh, well attended. So it's from once the season starts to once the season ends. It's, it's nonstop, but it's a love affair, and I love the game, so there's no complaints here. Now you mentioned you try to get to practices. Do you try to see every single team over the course of a season? That's my, that was my goal coming into this year, and I may, I may struggle. I, I try to arrange a Brandon trip so I can see, you know, Crocus, Nealon, and Vincent Massey, Brandon. That got snubbed. And then, once again, the, the Dryden and Fort Francis, I see them when they come into the city. Um, but, yeah, so my goal as first-year commissioner is to meet every single athlete and every single coach and just have to know who I am, shake hands, and uh, tell them they need to do anything. It is called the Winnipeg High School Football League, but important to remember that there are a number of schools that are outside of Winnipeg. Yeah, Portage, Three and Brandon, uh, Kenora, uh, Dryden, Fort Francis. So wherever we're looking to expand. So we've had some uh, discussions with other schools and districts outside, but it's a process. And when you, sometimes you've got to uh, configure transportation too. So that comes back and forth. And some teams don't want to travel as much as other teams based on divisions, but uh, predominantly all in Winnipeg. But uh, we like to take anybody who wants to join the league, we'll take them. Now we've talked about Vincent Massey, St. Paul's, and that rivalry. What are, for those who may not know, some of the other big rivalries in the league? Well, it's funny because uh, actually tomorrow, Garden City plays West Kildonan, and those teams 
I haven't played. I'm going to say I heard today it was 10 years because Garden City was usually up, and now they're down. So those two schools that are very close. Uh, when you have Maples plays Tech Bach, um, you know Oak Park, Grand Park, all those regions. And anytime the Brandon team, when they can play each other, those and they don't play each other in the top level, but but they play each other in JV. So that's you have those little rivalries and little pockets in the city, and then. Right now, you have a team like Dakota, like the, even uh, Dakota and a Steinbeck, because those, those two teams are rising up to the heights. When those two guys play each other, you know it starts to they, they start to get you know in the football they start to get a little, you know the love affair like the Riders and the Bombers have. So, but when you want to see that, you want to see those rivalries, you want to see these schools grow, and you want that builds competition, it builds it builds I think just better football because when you know who you're lining up against, you want to obviously win, but you have that historical rivalry. It just gives that little extra oomph to the game. Because when, you, when you're like Vincent Massey in St. Paul's, you play all the time in these huge games. That's one way of breeding a rivalry, but geography is the number one way of, of a, getting a rivalry going, especially because if two schools are really close to each other, chances are a lot of kids at one school know a lot of kids at the other school. And they played amateur football together. So, for example, if, you're, you know, if Calvin plays Grant Park, they would have played together for the court and comments. Or, you know, when Garden City plays Sisler, they play for the Nomads. Uh, so all, and that, you're right, and that's uh, when Sisler used to play Garden City, we had the, the Never Alone Bowl. We would have do a team pitcher after, and there'd be 50 athletes that have played for the Nomads between the two teams. And it's yeah, it's, it's interesting to coach them, and they see them play against each other. And then the good news is, is once the game's over, the helmets are off, it's handshaking, hugging, and it's reminiscing about the old days. But that's what football is all about. Is you said building those rivalries, and that's why the Bombers and the Riders are so great. So, you enjoying yourself as commissioner? I love it. I love the game. Yes, sir. Good. Well, we'll uh, check in with you later on in the season. We appreciate you taking time to talk to us tonight. Enjoy the rest of the football this weekend. Perfect. Thank you. Have a great night. If you grew up in the Bahamas, where's perhaps the last place you'd expect to play soccer at a post-secondary institution? How about Brandon, Manitoba? Well, that's where NASA native Faith Miller goes to school in her second year as a member of the Bobcats women's soccer team. Faith joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. And Faith, how the heck did you end up in Brandon? <laughs> um, I just was searching for good and inexpensive schools, and I found Brandon U. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'll just go to Brandon U. <laughs> did you know anything about Manitoba before you came here? I didn't know anything about Canada. <laughs> so Manitoba was <laughs> I had definitely some learning to do. What was your first winter like here? It was terrible. Um, I don't know. I, I like the winter. I, that's, why, that's another reason why I came to Canada, because I wanted um, some new climate, because the Bahamas is predominantly hot. It's never really cold. Mm-hmm. But I did not know that winters could be as bad as it is in Manitoba. I did not know that at all. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> well, you basically picked one of the coldest places on earth to come play soccer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I realized that. <laughs> did you have advice from teammates and from coaches on, okay, this is, these are the coats you need to buy. This is what you need to do to be warm enough. Um, I spent my first, I spent my first winter here as a regular um, student. I was not playing. So I didn't really get advice from anyone until the fall of 2017, because I did come to BU in fall in winter of 2017. So they did give me a heads up like, hey, this is the wrong code, or you're going to need a little bit more layers to play. But, yeah, it did help out a lot. Had you ever seen snow before? 
No, I have not. <laughs> Canada, like coming to BU was the first time I've seen snow and I was so excited. But by the time as the winter was done, I was honestly tired of it. <laughs> yeah. I was just ready to be done with it. Well, that's how most of us feel. So you're fitting right in there. <laughs> so how has the soccer experience been at Brandon? It's so good. Um, I I love my coaches. Every We have changed coaches once now. I've been... I've been with Rhino at first, and Rhino was so welcoming. And now it's Scott as our head coach, and he's so welcoming. And then Glenn came in, and they're just willing to help us and put everything aside for us. And then Jesse came in, and he took on two teams, and I was so grateful for that. So, like, they are really, they're really patient, and they talk to you as they talk to you as respectfully as they can, and they they just like. They're just, they're just some of the best people I've met, honestly. They've, they've made the transition a whole lot easier for me. How would you describe yourself as a player? Oh, I don't know. Um, clumsy. <laughs> um, strong. Uh, I used to be fast. <laughs> not, so, not so sure anymore, but um, resilient. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really... I wouldn't really, um, you know, I don't talk about myself in such a way, so I wouldn't know how right. to describe myself, really. Okay. Are there other people from Bahamas at the school? Yes, there is. Um, it's a small community. It's about five or six of us now, maybe. Yeah, five. Um, but it's very, very small. It's not much Bahamians because a lot of Bahamians don't know about Manitoba at all. Like, I... I, they always say like, "Oh, where are you at school?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm in Brandon, Manitoba." It's like, "Where's that?" And I'm like, "It's in Canada." It's like, "Really?" Like they don't really know much about Manitoba. Well, that's fair, I think. So, <laughs> do you spend a lot of time with other people from your country at the school? Unfortunately, no, I don't, um, because we do all study different things, and with the responsibility of being on a team, it's it's like I have to prioritize and sometimes hanging out with friends isn't a priority. It's about being with my teammates and making sure that, you know, I'm going to practices and, you know, working out as I'm supposed to. So I do have a really busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Is there a food staple from the Bahamas that you miss? Oh, yes. Yeah. So much food. Um, the Bahamas is really perfect for seafood, like shellfish. Mm. And I eat a lot of conch. And I really, really miss it. It's And it's so hard. It's not hard. It's impossible to get here. Yes. And it doesn't taste the same frozen compared to fresh. So I wouldn't even bring it through. I mean, bring it on the airplane with me. So I do really miss conch and crawfish. How often do you get home? I try and go home for every long break. So I will go home in the Christmas and in summer. But I do not go home for... Thanksgiving, or I don't go home for um, like school, regular school breaks. It does take a very long time to get home for me. It's about, it takes about two days for me to get home. So I try to stay, stay put, really. I imagine the experience for you, uh, you know, being in Brandon as Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas must have been tough for you. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a surreal moment for me because I, always saw like um because antigua and barbuda was recently hit, well recently hit in previous years and then there was puerto rico and i always see like countries getting hit so harshly 
but I never expected it to be my country. So seeing it happen was surreal. And it was almost like, it was almost like it wasn't happening, but it was like, I would go online and I would need the updates in order for me to realize like, Oh my God, this is happening. And it's, it's like, and it's going to be like, you know, a long transition back to where we are. So, I mean, where we were, excuse me. And I'm sure you were in constant contact with your family during that process. Yeah, I try to message them as much as possible. So all my friends at home, I would ask for updates. I would ask for um, videos, but it's Twitter is so good, right? Like Twitter is the best thing to happen. Like good and bad, but um, Twitter is so good because Twitter really kept me updated. And we had, I had a lot of countrymen at home. They were posting videos and they were posting messages, making sure everybody was updated. So Twitter really helped me out in that sense. Uh, there are there are many bad parts to Twitter for sure, but that's definitely a, a helpful yeah. part. I guess growing up in a Caribbean nation, though, there's always the the threat of a hurricane, right? You know that's something that could happen. Yeah, like I've been I've been in Hurricane Matthew, I've been in multiple hurricanes, and I've been in multiple um, multiple tropical storms, like you know things like that. But the way that climate change is going right now, hurricanes are getting worse and worse. So they're moving from category, like they would start out, usually a hurricane starts out at like a tropical storm. And you can expect a tropical storm at least once per year. But now it's like you have to expect a hurricane that is at its lowest, a category three, which is still pretty bad. And um, we did not expect that we would get a category five because that hurricane, Hurricane Dorian, it was the worst hurricane that the Bahamas has gotten in, in 20 years. So it's it's like you expect hurricanes, but it's just the strength of the hurricane. Would, that's very unexpected for us. Are your uh, family and friends back home okay? Yeah, I my immediate family is fine. My mother and father are fine. I, I did have some cousins that were on the island, um, one of the islands that got hit, but I found out that they were fine. But it wasn't necessarily like my immediate family or like my extended family that was um, directly affected. It was more so the people of my country. And I just felt so bad for them because you had people that worked for something for 10 years and they lost it all in one day. So it was just really, really sad for me to deal with knowing that I couldn't even come home to do anything about it or to even help them. Or there's nothing that I could say that would make them feel better. So you haven't been home since then, right? No, um, unfortunately, I have not. It's also very expensive to go home. So right. unless I like plan for months to go home, so I, I just sat on Twitter and I saw everything, and that was the only way that um, I was really updated, and that was the only way that people spoke to me. What are you studying at Brandon? Um, I'm studying um, biological sciences with a biomedical science stream. So what are you hoping to do once you're done school? Hopefully I get a master's and then go off to medical school to become a sports neurologist. So you got some pretty high goals for your career. Yeah, yeah I do. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Again, send our best to your country back home and uh, best of luck through yeah. the rest of the season as well. Thank you so much. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. 
If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen? Happen.